Today's sermon is entitled Freedom, Our Choice to Act. Freedom, Our Choice to Act. This I want to talk to you about a boss move by God. I, I think that this concept of freedom and free will, uh, God's uh, option of choice to us, I think is a boss move. Uh, and I want to explain that uh, as we go along. God allows for choice. Um, he allows for choice because God does not manipulate us to serve him. <laughs> um, where there is no choice, there's a greater propensity for manipulation. And we don't serve God because we're made to. Uh, one of the boss moves of God is that he gives us the option to do it. So as we talk about 2022 and making impact and our freedom of choice, we understand that as our actions in this year depend upon our choices. And the choices we make have been afforded to us by God, that God has given us the freedom to make a difference this year. He's given us the choice to either bless people, uh, to do good, or to do nothing, or to just hurt people, to destroy people. Um, our actions, what we need to understand, Tony, is that our actions happen mostly because of our choices. We don't do things most of the time mindlessly. Our actions are usually governed or spawned by our choices. Uh, this is about to get good. So God doesn't act through us. He acts through our choices. Mm, watch this. God is not as much in my act of preaching right now as he was or is in the choices I made leading up to me preaching today. He was in my choice to do it. He was in my choice to preach, to decide to preach from what place? Would I preach from a place of arrogance? Would I preach from a place of conceit? Would I preach from a place of pride? He was in my choices of um, what would be my purpose in preaching? What would be my intent or what would I decide? What, what place would my heart be in when I was preaching? 
So I'm trying to show you that God is not in the actions as much as he is in the choices that precede the action. Why is that? Because by the time the action has occurred, it's too late. At the time the action occurs, that's where impact is made. And the impact, and I preached this years ago, the impact behind our voice or our actions comes from the place of intention, the place of our motives, the place of our will and our psyche. So by the time, listen, by the time your action occurs, it's too late for God to get involved. I tell people all the time, if you're not going to sin, you know, decide before you leave the house. Decide you're not going to do it. Don't wait to decide once you're up on the temptation. Because usually by the time you're in the middle of the act of committing the sin, it's too late. Uh, you've already kind of done it, right? So God wants to reach us at our choices. Are you tracking? All right. So it, 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 he wants to be in our point of thinking. He wants to be at the place that we are choosing to do the act. So the next time you're making a choice, um, think about God in the process of the choice, not just God in the action. So I'm not... I'm not really concerned about God being uh, preaching through me. God, God is, this is not God. This is me. I am committing the act of preaching. And so what makes him, listen to this, listen, Lou, what makes him so much God is that he allows us the freedom to choose the wrong action. That I could very well have come online today and said, I'm going to preach from a place of pride. And God would not have stopped me from doing so. That's boss to me. That's the freedom. That's the power of God. That's being God. That's a boss move when you allow people the freedom to choose to do it wrong or do it right. Now, why does that matter? It matters because God can still bring a good outcome from people who have the choice to do wrong and commit actions that actually go against his plans. In other words, he's so much God. He says, I'm so much God that I can give you the choice to do wrong <laughs> and that even if you do do wrong, I can still fix what you did wrong. <laughs> so his concept is, what he's saying is, I'm so much God, I understand that the wrong things you do can actually be a benefit to you and not necessarily a hindrance to your development. Watch this now. People think, Get get come in real close, Joyce. Come in real close, Latanya. People think they are gods because of their control of others. Ooh, you know all those bosses and people, you know, who treat you uh, like they control you. They 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 think they are gods because they have the power to control it. 
Um, you know, or you say the remote control, you have the remote control. I got the power to change the channel to whatever I want it to be. But the real godness or the, the, the real goodness, the real godness is our lack of control of others and allowing choices to be made freely. The real God capacity of us is to not seek to control others, but to give others the freedom to choose their way. And then you decide, you decide who you're going to be to them in terms of the right choice or the wrong choice that they made. You are not giving people a good service when you seek to control their choices. Once you try to control their choices, that is no longer freedom. So God doesn't impose upon us his will and make us do his will. He gives us the freedom to choose our actions his way. So even, listen, even not allowing yourself, I want to talk to you, Cynthia, when you talk about don't allow yourself to be controlled by old habits. Don't, don't control yourself. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Don't control yourself by regimens, patterns, routines. In other words, your routine is controlling you. In other words, you can't do anything spontaneous. You can't do anything impromptu because you are allowing your life to be controlled by habits. Ah, God, this is going to get this. Stick with me for a moment. What you want to be able to do is to choose freely. Listen to what I'm saying. You don't want to make your decisions in life because of your family, because of old principles or rules you were brought up on or ways. Listen, you want to be able to choose freely, which is going to allow you to grow easier. Now, listen, growth is often found to be more helpful in the mistakes Mistakes we've made, not the rules we followed. Oh, I got to say that again. That's a quotable. Growth is often found more helpful in the mistakes we've made, not the rules we've followed. Now, in no way am I encouraging lawless living. I'm just saying people are going to do lawless things anyway. It's going to happen. So why put yourself under the pressure for years trying to obey the rules and then you still up doing wrong because you finally pop because you can't control yourself emotionally. What I'm trying to say is live freely enough to do wrong early in your life and then grow from it quicker. What I'm trying to say is, listen, there are a lot of Christians who try to, be, they get saved and they try to follow the rule. They live by the rules, live by the rules, live by the rules, live by the rules. But there's no love in their heart. They're just legalistic. Rule, 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 rule. And they're pinning up their sins. They're suppressing all of their desires and their urges to do wrong. And so finally, when they get fed up, they've been saved for 15 years. All of a sudden, they pop and they start sinning. They go wild and they sin. And God says, see, now if you had just gone ahead and just been 
who you were in the first year of your salvation, made that mistake way back then. We'd have been way past this. Now I got to correct all these mistakes you made. And now you've got a reputation for being holy. Why not mess up early when you know God knows that you are early, you a babe in Christ, you immature, and you're going to make mistakes. Don't let people tell you to obey the rules when you can't obey the rules. The Israelites couldn't even obey the law. That's why Jesus came. The law places constraints and restrictions on you, and it keeps you from doing what God has called you to do. Is this making sense at all? It's going to unfold in a minute. So what God does is he allows for free choice because the freedom in our choices reminds us, listen to this. Oh, this is good. This is good. Little Ben, the freedom of our choice reminds us that our choices are our responsibilities. In other words, our choices, our freedom to choose means we're responsible for the outcomes. And so when we're responsible for the outcomes, we change when we learn we did it ourselves. In other words, when we know that what went bad, that situation went bad because of our choices, we change our lives because we know the results of our lives have brought us pain. Are you tracking at all? So the reason this is important is because there is a world waiting out there that will be impacted by the choices we make and consequently our actions that come from them. There is a world out there who is going to receive our actions one way or the other. They're going to get the cussing cherry or they're going to get the bless you cherry. They're going to get the broke cherry or they're going to get the blessed cherry. They're going to get an action from your job. In other words, no person is in isolation completely. You're going to interact with people. God says, ah, hallelujah, if your 2022 is going to be effective and impactful, I want to catch you on the side of your choices and not so much your actions. If I catch you at the choice, I have more confidence in your actions. Uh, So will we choose this year to act for God? Or will we choose to act for ourselves? Or will we choose to act for our enemy? So before we delve deeper, here are three things we need to know about choice. Let me give them to you. First of all, God is sovereign. That's number one. Number two, God allows us to choose. And then number three, we are accountable for our actions. These, this is the premise of our lesson today. Three things to know about choice. That God is sovereign means he rules, he reigns over it completely in a sovereign aspect. Now, let me explain each one of these. The first one is God is sovereign. Now, this, I want to look at a passage in Daniel 4, 35, that tells us how he's sovereign or gives us a depiction of what sovereignty means. 
Verse 35, Daniel chapter 4 says, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? In other words, God is saying, I can do whatever I want with whomever I want, however I want to do it. So he wants to make sure that he is making it clear that he is completely sovereign, that people don't matter. He's control of them. He's in control of the earth. He's control of whatever he wants to do. But the beauty of it, the beauty of his sovereignty is that he gives us the option to choose. Even though he has the power to control, he gives us the option Ah, to choose. So let me look at the next verse. The next verse says, this is for the second one in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, and how he tells us we have the choice to choose. Paul is saying, Paul was saying in this particular chapter, he was saying he has the right to choose. He has the right to do what he wants to do. But verse 23 says, everything is permissible. In other words, I have the right to do it. Everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is, benef is, is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So what God is saying here, he's saying, even though, Paul is saying, even though I have the right to do that, even though there's nothing wrong with me doing that, it's not to my benefit to do so. So he understands he has a choice. So God has withheld that right. So God is sovereign, but he has withheld the right to control us, to give us the opportunity, Grizz, to choose our own pleasures. He has given us the option to pleasure ourselves. This is, listen to this, this is in itself an act of love. God wants us to be happy, even if we think our happiness is right and it's wrong. <laughs> God says, I want you to experience life for the rights and the wrongs of it. I, because I'm so much God. <laughs> Woo! In other words, I'm not just God of you because you do what I want you to do right every time. Being God says, I've got to be God when you do it incorrectly as well. I'm God enough to be able to correct what you messed up. So God is saying, I've relinquished my control over you because if you think <laughs> have you ever been in this situation you've been praying god please can i have this can please can i have this red uh car can i please have this red coat or whatever it is god says if you think that will make you happy go for it boo Woo. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about Tyrone who you thought was going to be your man for the rest of your life and Tyrone ran over you like an 18 wheeler truck <laughs> God says listen God says I want you to make your man I feel Jesus I want you to make your choices the way you make your choices and then he says this he says I'll be here I'll be here 
I'll be here after you're done. After you realize you messed up. After you realize you didn't consult me. He says, I'll be here. Isn't that the goodness of God? That's the beauty of 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful, but all things are not good. Let me give you the last one. Here's the last one. Check this out. Uh, Romans 14, verse 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. The first one was that he was sovereign. The second one was that he get, relinquishes, relinquishes sovereignty to give us the ability to choose. But the third one was we're accountable for our actions. So look at this. The text says each of us will give an account. Each of us will be accountable. In other words, accounting. When you talk about accounting, there are ledgers, there are columns, there are books, like the spreadsheet on Excel. You have columns. In other words, there are trackings. There is not an action that you commit that is not tracked in the book of life. God knows everything you did, whether people saw it, know of it, or not. We are accountable for our actions. Why? God is not accountable for our choices and actions. We are. We chose and acted freely. Ecclesiastes 8 and 11, write this down. Shauna, put this in the comments. Ecclesiastes 8 and 11 says, this is a paraphrase basically, because, in other words, because punishment is delayed, we think it's okay. In other words, because you keep doing things and getting away with it, you think that it's the right choice. No, you can be doing something wrong for a long time and you think it's right because God has not corrected the course. So choices you make can actually be deceptive to make you think that you are doing something right when actually it is wrong and God doesn't step in to change it because the choice to act that way was yours. Whew. There will always be a follow-up from God as to the choice you made. There will always be a follow-up from God in accordance to the choices you make. All right, let me make this statement. Let me show you this. Here's how we do it. We got to make sure we understand. Well, I want to make sure that we know how to get out of this. So if God knows we're going to choose incorrectly and there are consequences to our actions, what can this boss God do for us? Or what has he put in place to help us with this blunder Adam and Eve created in the beginning of time? So if he knows we're going to do wrong, if he knows we can make choices and we think they're right, but they're wrong, and there are choices, what can he do to help us? The first thing he says to us is choose God first. So when it comes to choices, 
the very first choice you're going to make is to choose God first. Now, let me unpack this for a second. What that means is when making your choices, let's say you're choosing a job, I'm choosing a house, I'm choosing a mate, I'm choosing a church, a ministry. When making choices, choose God first. In other words, before any action you take, choose God first by choosing his way. In other words, whatever it is you're about to do, whatever act it is you want to do, choose to do it his way. First, choose his way, choose his heart, choose his outlook. In other words, choose him first. When you're choosing her, does she look like him? Does she pattern his heart? Is that going to be in alignment with God's intention and will for you? When you choose that job, is it for the money or is it because that's where God wants you to be? In other words, choose your actions based on your choice of God first. I choose God before I choose you. And because I choose God, I need a woman who's godly. Because I choose God, I need a job that isn't selling drugs or dope or killing people or shooting people up because God doesn't want that for me. In other words, my choice for God filters the type of actions I can commit. The choice for my the choices for my life are first go through a filter or grid of choosing God. Are you with me? So let's look at this. Let me show you a couple of things here where God changes our hearts. So when we choose God, he changes our hearts so that we can make better choices. So Psalm 37, four through five says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Ooh. So God will, if you choose God first, he'll give you the things you should be wanting. Ah, God. So verse number five says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So in other words, God says, he'll change your heart to be more inclined to choose his ways. What you will discover, contrary to popular, popular belief, is that God is not always so linear in his approach with us. It is not always, watch this, well, God says, well, if you touch the brown cap, you will blow up or you'll be instantly destroyed. Or if you touch the brown cap three times, you will be instantly blessed. God doesn't always operate that linearly. He is in relationship with us. And how he deals with you may be different with how he deals with me. My point is, God doesn't deal with us on a two plus two equals four. He deals with us on, let me change your heart, your heart. Let me change your heart so that your choices will be the right answer. In other words, don't live based on, well, the Bible says don't do this and don't do that and this will happen because I've learned that I've done some things the right way and I still didn't get the outcome that I wanted. 
And there was nothing malicious about what I did. It was nothing necessarily bad. It was just not God's will for me. And so you will miss God's will for your life when you think that he's operating on a linear aspect. He is in relationship with us and relationships are built on choices and actions and success in those choices and actions depend on our freedom. Listen, your choices and actions in life are better based on how free you are. God says, I want you to be free enough to choose from your heart. And so God says, before you get to the actions, I'm working on your heart. This is a quotable. Write this one down. Let me say it right to your face. God doesn't change our minds. He changes our hearts so we can change our minds. Oh man, that's juicy. God doesn't change our minds. He changes our hearts so we can change our minds. God doesn't want to control us. He doesn't want uh, to manipulate us to love him. Who wants to be loved by somebody who's made to love them? That's not love. That's enslavement. That's not power, that's control, that's manipulation. God says, love me because you want to. Come to church because you can't spend another hour without seeing my face. God says, sing to me because you feel it. Not because somebody is yelling at you saying, sing the song louder. God says, I want you to change how you feel about things. I want you to assess your life and begin to see the choices you made were wrong and you're responsible for them. Where can you self-correct? That's boss God. That is a God who says, I love you enough to let you be you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Look at this next passage. Psalm 37, 23. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 tells us, here's how, again, this is about choosing him first. The Bible says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he, meaning God, delights in his way. In other words, God delights in the steps that you take. And he says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. If you make a mistake or make the wrong choice, you won't be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So what God is saying is the choice is yours. I will order the steps, but you take the steps, boo. Come on, Lisa. He says to choose him is to choose freedom. To choose God is to choose the ability to say yes or no. Even Corinthians says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. It didn't say, let your yea be yea only. He says, if you're going to say yes, say yes. But if you're going to say no, say no. You have a choice. Because even in our worst choice, God is at work for a good outcome. Without changing our minds to do what we do, he will correct 
us. He will fix our outcomes without changing our minds to do it. He changes our hearts, beloved, so we can get... I used to tell Cherry, uh, little Cherry, and I say, I would, I would talk to my kids and I would say, do you know why I'm punishing you? Do you know why you can't go outside today? I need for you to understand that the consequences are of your actions, that you are here because of a choice you made. If you want to be able to go outside, understand that. And when you understand that, you will choose differently next time. Listen, the punishment should not be penal to the point of hurting the individual. Punishment is to help you to learn from the mistake. God's penal correction and his discipline is not to restrict you. It is to give you the freedom to learn from what you did Ah, God, I feel like I'm teaching on a mature level today. It's way up there. I've got to bring you up. God is at work for the good of our outcome. Now, listen, there is always outside influence to do wrong. There will always be a follow-up from God as to the choice you made, but somebody is poking you saying, hey, Cherry, do it this way. Hey, hey, hey. You, you've seen the cartoon with the red devil and the, and the white devil on your shoulders, both of them in your ear trying to get you to do something. We are not forced We are asked to love God. God, hallelujah. We are not forced to be righteous. We are asked to do something in 2022. God doesn't want us to choose wrongly and fail. He wants what's best for us. But even in our failing, he says, I can bring the best out of you when you do your worst. In light of what we just learned, let's do a test Let's do a test with a real-life character in the Bible and see if our points prove true. Let's look at Adam and Eve in the following scriptures. I want to give you uh, just a couple things to look at. Check out Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Remember, our grid is uh, God is sovereign. God relinquishes that or foregoes that sovereignty to give us the option to choose. And then we have the choice because we're accountable. So Genesis 1 26 says, watch this now. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And he says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. So watch this now. We said, we established the first premise that God is sovereign. He is in control. So what did he do? He created man in his image, which meant we have a level of what? Control. We have the ability, we have the ability to control like him. But we too must learn the art, the art, Sharitha, of foregoing our control to allow people to choose freedom. Ah, God. Listen, he, listen, 
God made us to interact with him. He created us to interrelate. That's why it's called relationship, relationship. God made us in his image. And Genesis says he made man and it was good. And he gave man authority and dominion over the fish, over the fowl of the air, whatever. He was asked to act like God in certain places. This means that when leading others, We must give people the freedom to choose. When we are in a position of leadership as parents, as bosses, as friends, as guardians, we must give people the freedom to choose. Don't control. Give the freedom to choose. Be there though. Be there though when your kids mess up. Let them fail, but be right there when they scrape their knee or hurt their elbow. You told them not to ride out there with no training wheels without you. They went out there and they did it on their own. Oh, mischievous cherry. Oh, how many things I have done that mama told me not to do. And mama said, you learned your lesson? You better for it now, aren't you? So God says, again, he says, I'll be there when you mess up, but I won't manipulate your pleasure. Mischievous Cherry, if you want to go out there, hurt yourself, bump your head, go right ahead, but I will be there to put the band-aid on it. Also, gain their trust, give people freedom, but gain their trust by backing off. Somebody say backing off. You gain people's trust by, not by micromanaging, but by backing off so that they come to you when they have a question. Don't force them for your advice. Let them come to you for advice. God doesn't force you to read his word. He says, come to me to get his, oh, I feel Jesus. I'm, I'm a talk to me. Wait a minute. So listen, in other words, before choosing their actions, people should choose you. That's what I'm saying. Give people the freedom to say, you're smart. You're wise. I'm coming to you. That's God's boss move. You want to be a good boss, then give people the freedom to choose. Look at the next verse. The next verse in Genesis 2. So we see the sovereignty. And then we're we're talking about this. We keep bringing it back. The sovereignty. And then he relinquishes that. He gives people the chance to choose. All right. So we're staying with the three three things about choice. All right. So verse 16. Verse 16 says. Verse 16 says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Verse 17 says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. All right, here it is now. So even though man has the power to control, he has this authority Even though God, I'm just paralleling these two, even though God has the ability to be sovereign, the power to be in control, God introduces choice. Because there is no choice where there is control. Control is just do what I say. There is no choice. But what makes God so much God is that he introduces choice. He says you can eat from any fruit from the tree, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I've given you a choice. God says don't eat 
the tree of good and knowledge. And that's where choice comes in. So what I'm saying is God establishes the rights and the wrongs in life. He practices his sovereignty, not by making the choice for you, but giving you the choices to make. God is so boss. Let me do my LeBron James. Let me do my LeBron James on you. Oh, strong man. God is so boss that he says, I won't make the choice for you. I won't manipulate your life to force you to do what I want. But I'll give you, what I'll do as God is I'll give you the choices. Uh, In other words, I'll make sure that you have an option that will be there to bless you. In other words, in any choice you have to make, God says, I will always give you the option of good. (laughs) I will always give you an option, a choice of what will better you. But the choice uh, is uh, yours. (laughs) We can't say what's wrong or what's right for others. I can't look at joy and say, this is wrong for you and this is right for you. I'm not in that position to do so. That is not my God position. Only God decides what's right and what's wrong for people. So be careful when you tell people what they should or what they shouldn't do. God is the one who makes the choices. We can only say, we can only say to the individual that, look, if, listen, I can only encourage you not to do that if I know directly that that action is against scripture and that that will break the heart and the law of God. But even in those situations, sometimes it's best not to rescue people. Sometimes it's best to let them choose the wrong way. Let them make their mistake because the choices are there to correct it. God has given them the choice. In other words, have confidence in God's ability to get the choices to them, not your ability to control your their lives. God, I hope you're getting this. Listen, in other words, God doesn't create the wrong we do or the evil we do. How we use or choose to act upon the good he has created is what makes it wrong. He gives us the choices, but he himself is not responsible for our evil action. He gave us the choice to. We chose the wrong. The evil in our world is a direct result of the actions of man. He allows it. God didn't shoot people up. God didn't destroy this. God did didn't do this or that. He allows mankind to do it. Why? Because he's God enough to allow for choice. Whatever man messes up, he can fix up. God knows that he doesn't have to control you because whatever lessons you learn, you're going to be better for it. God will make clear what you are not to do. It's up to us to listen. Let me move on. Verse number Genesis 3, then we know that the choice is ours, but let's talk about some accountability and this whole aspect of disobedience. Genesis 3 and 6 says, so here's a scenario. God created Adam and Eve, right? And then they, he says, uh, puts them in the garden and gives them the choice to eat from the tree. So verse 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 6 says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, there it is, pleasure, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, 
What happened? She took some. She took some and ate some. Oh, she took some and ate it. And then what made it worse, Wendy? What made it worse? Hi, Stacy. What made it worse is that she gave it to Adam. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Look here. She said, if I got to mess up, you going to mess up too. So listen to what this is too funny. God gave them the choice. He says, I put you in the garden. It's a fruitful garden, the garden of Eden. It's beautiful. All I'm telling you what to do is not to eat of this particular tree, but you have the choice to. Well, well, she was listening to the serpent. The serpent came and tricked her and said, you're not going to die. And she believed it and then gave it to the husband. God created us. God gave us free will. And here comes disobedience. Do, 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 do. Here comes disobedience. Disobedience. Disobedient, Cherry. Disobedient, Joy. Disobedient, Shauna. Here comes disobedience to make you eat the fruit that you are told not to eat. Disobedience will always cost us in one way or another. But you ought to celebrate even in the disobedience because the disobedience is the path to our learning our lesson. Love God enough to thank him that you had the option to choose. They were, listen, it is better for God to give you the option to choose to disobey and learn from it than him to manipulate you and to coerce you and to force you to love him. God, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. We try to manipulate and control people and do these dastardly deeds and these indirect and twisted uh, toxic ways to make people do what we want them to do, the boss move of God is to let people choose and be disobedient the way they want to. I remember I told you, I told told you this a long time ago. I told you this a long time ago. I used to be stalking one of my ex-girlfriends and I was following our Goldbell house late at night, 12 midnight, one o'clock, like trying to see is the car in the driveway. Bless God, I even hopped a fence once, went around to the side of the window. I'm looking up at the window. I'm trying to see is the light on. Is somebody in there? All of that, all of that craziness. And I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson that if God wants me to know something about somebody, God will let me know. And I want to tell some of you, there are some things that some people have done to you and God didn't reveal it to you because it wasn't your business. Because God said, I'm using it In other words, you ain't got to worry about nothing. I'm correcting it. In other words, God, you think that God is telling you something so you can control it and correct it. God knows you're going to react improperly. So he says, I'm not going to give you this revelation. I'm going to fix. In other words, there are some things people correct because God changed it. He doesn't need your input. He doesn't need your restriction. I ain't talking to you no more. I ain't coming over to see you. God knows you're going to act stupid. So he says, I'm not going to reveal their wrongs to you. I'm going to correct it on. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying? So this disobedience, in essence, they chose to believe in a different set of information and it cost them dearly. Adam and Eve believed the serpent instead of believing God. This is one reason we come to church or study our Bible so as to minimize the alternate information that comes to us regularly through texts and emails and phone calls, etc., all come to influence our choices. 
And so I'm here on Sunday and I'm saying to you, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the lie, Mama Cain. I'm saying to you, the devil is lying to you, Sharon. The devil is lying, Latanya. He's lying. I come to tell you it is better to choose God first. I'm not telling you how to choose. I'm not telling you to choose Tanya. I'm not telling you to choose Bill. I'm telling you, choose God first. Let him change your heart and you'll make the right choice between Bill and Tanya or whatever side you want. So (laughs) the point is (laughs) that's the whole premise of phishing, email scams and spam or even marketing. The marketing of Mountain Dew, the marketing of uh, Frito-Lay is all to get you to buy our product. That's what the red devil is saying. Do what I want. The white devil said, do what I, the white angel, do what I want you. Everybody is vying for you to do what they want. Listen to what I'm saying. This is so practical. Your mom is vying for you to do what she wants. Your sister is vying for you to do what she wants. Your spouse wants you to do what she wants or he wants. Your kids want you to do what they want. Your job wants you to do what they want. Your friends want you to do what they want. Everybody wants you to do it their way. And I came to tell you, the boss move of God is to learn how to live in freedom, to not be controlled by the leverage your boss has over you, or the leverage your spouse has over you, or the leverage your past family has over you, but to be free enough to choose God's way because you have done the work to choose God's first. I have already decided that whatever choice I'm going to make is going to be the one God gave me in my heart. And you have to learn, your family has to learn that you make your own choices, that you make choices pattern after God, not pattern after their leverage over you. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. You're not in competition. God came to you. You're not in competition. Hello. You're not in competition, Stacy. You ain't, you ain't in competition. You and God ain't got you in competition to who you gonna please the best. Who who? Let's figure out this week who you gonna please. Who who's gonna get the most pleasure out of God? Said I ain't sharing pleasure with nobody. All the pleasure come to me. Choose me first. Just remember Grey's Anatomy. Choose me. Pick me. Love me. <laughs> All right. I got to go. I got to go. Little Ben, I got to go. Last one. Last one. Genesis 3, 7 to 10. Here it is. Then the eyes of both of them. Oh, there it is. Here's the accountability. Doggone it. They done disobeyed. And here's the accountability. God gave the choice. Gave them the choice. So you could pick it. They picked it. And here's the accountability. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized they were naked. They didn't even know they was naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They tried to hide. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Didn't I tell you he's always around? He's coming. He's coming. Walking in the cool of the garden. In the garden, the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord. How you going to hide from Jesus? How you going to hide from God? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, said, where are you? Hey, Adam, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So here this passage, here we have this passage. In Genesis 7 to 10, God visit them, 
and curses them. And this is accountability. Whatever choice or action you make, God is going to visit you. Every man will appear before the judgment seat of Christ for the good done in their bodies on earth. What God told them actually came to pass. They ate the fruit and the Bible says they knew it. They knew it right away. They realized they were naked. When you're doing the right thing for God, you don't even realize the nakedness, the vulnerability on your life. Consciousness of vulnerability and fear with that level of insecurity might be a sign that you are not in the will of God. Because if you fear vulnerability, if you fear love, then you may not be in a safe place. For the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. In other words, wherever the place of love is, you can be vulnerable and you don't have to watch it. You can be naked and you don't have to know it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who sees your scars. So what God told them actually came to pass. They knew they had messed up. And one way you can immediately know if you made the right choice or not. Watch this. You can immediately know if you made the right choice or not is if you feel guilt or shame from the action you committed. God didn't have to tell them. They, right when they ate the fruit, they was like, ooh, mm, I feel some kind of way. I feel, what I say, you, sometimes you say stuff, you know it was wrong, but your pride won't let you apologize. If you have to lie about the action you committed, then you made the wrong choice. If you have to hide it, you made the wrong choice. Your life doesn't justify your action. Your your lie doesn't justify your action. In other words, you think you tell the lie because you think the lie will fix the action you did. No, the lie doesn't fix it. The lie tells that you're shame. It doesn't make it right. So whatever you do, putting fig leaves over you, covering yourself up or whatever you're trying to do to fix it, it's not going to fix it. It just enhances your shame. The good news is God came looking for them and he came to find out where they were. And I came to tell some of you today, God is saying, where are you? while he did apply the curses to their lives because Adam and Eve, because Eve ate the fruit, she now has to have children in great pain. She has what's called a menstrual cycle that causes great pain. And man's curse was to work for the rest of his life in sweat. Because they were disobedient, these things were applied. But God never gives consequences without a comfort to remedy it. So even while Adam and Eve had birthed the sin in the earth, God had already decided, I will send my son to redeem man from the 
bad choices that Adam and Eve made. I love him. <laughs> because God doesn't just want people to do what he says. He wants people to love him and be in relationship with him that they do what he wants because they choose it. It just happens naturally. And God said, learn your lesson, Adam and Eve, but I'm sending a savior who's going to redeem mankind and all of us sin today because of that sin in the garden thousands of years ago. Adam and Eve messed it up for all men. You, me, my sins are the results of Eve's sin. And I can tell some of you that your disobedience and your actions, the life you live, don't think your kids ain't watching or your neighbors or friends ain't watching that the patterns you make often pass down to those who are watching you. And you have to come up with a plan to be able to show them, though you messed up, though you used to drink and smoke and cut up, look at what God has done for me now. So find your old friends who knew you when you messed up and show them that God gave you the blessed up. He turned your life around. He set your feet on solid ground. He lifted you from a debauched life that you chose to live in. God made a way for you to escape and now you serve him, not because you're forced, but because you love him. When you have to keep asking people to do something for you, you're actually removing their choice. Ask a few times. If they don't do it, let them choose. Now the choice is on them. Let them choose. Then trust God to give you what you need. Well, What's the point of today's lesson? This is my conclusion. We have a choice to act. If you didn't get that from the message, I'm sorry. You just, you don't understand. You just, something wrong. We have a choice to act. And what is to act? Act is taking action or doing something. All I'm saying to you this year, take action. Do something. This year, do something, Lou, do something, Sharitha, do something, Sharon, do something, Tia, do something, Henry G. Do something that makes a difference. It's your choice to. Use your choice. I watch NBA games and they have this option to challenge a, a, a call. Why let every game go and you don't use a challenge? Use your choice. Initiate your option. Choose a new job. Choose a better friends to, to hang around with. Choose a better financial stratus. Choose to love your spouse. Choose to forgive. Choose it. Choose to let it go. Choose to say I'm sorry, choose to give them a hug, choose to forget about it and never bring it up again, choose, choose to go help somebody else, choose to pay somebody's light bill, choose, choose to make a difference. It is God of him. It is boss of him. 
to give you the choice. Don't throw the choice back at him and lay there as if you don't have it. Show God you appreciate your free will by choosing something this week. Please don't let your answer every time this week, Tony, be, well, what would you like? I don't know. Well, what are you going to be? I don't know. What do you want to study? I don't know. Who do you want to do? Who do you want to become? I don't know. What kind of job do you want? I don't know. What kind of mate do you want? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Make a choice. I want a strong man with nice goatee and beard. I like him to have hair, but if he don't, ball is fine. I want I want an educated man. I want a godly. I want a job that pays eighty thousand with benefits. I want a car that ain't gonna break down on me every year. I want a car with leather interior. This time, that old velvet is burn my booty, makes me itch. In other words, make a choice. I'm telling you, if we started operating knowing God will honor the choices we make, well, it might be the wrong one, PC. Good. That's part of life. You make the wrong choices. I made a few. And the consequences ripple year after year after year. But here come God after every ripple. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I got whoop, there every ripple. I got you. Whoop, blah, 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 whoop, whoop, blah, blah, blah. I got you over every consequence and mistake you made. So church of the living God, breath for change, let's start praising him for choice. Let's start celebrating God for choice. And then let's continue praising him for the lessons we learn for our actions. He gave us a choice. Let's thank him for the lessons we learned. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the bad choice I made, but the lesson I learned from it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then number three, let's finish praising him for righting our wrongs without manipulating us in doing so. Praise him that we can choose. Praise him for the lessons we learned when we did the wrong choice. And praise him for fixing the stuff that we messed up. I conclude with this text. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20a. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days. God has set before you the choice of life or death, blessing, or cursing. And I'm telling you, choose God first. His desire is not to control or manipulate you. He gives you options. Choose life. And if you choose life, 
life is made of choices. You can't say you live in if you aren't making choices. I'm going to make some choices this week. You better look out, world. I got some choices I'm about to make. And I declare it before all of you today. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm PC. And that's all I got.